The Emergencies Act inquiry, which probes whether the federal government was in a position to utilize such powers, has been running for about three weeks now, with plenty more testimony to hear. But from this vantage point, the one thing that is clear is that no level of government was competent in ending the occupation until the act was brought out. A municipal government that was led by a questionable police force, a provincial government that sat on its hands and continues to do so, and a federal government with a front-row view of the occupation that paralyzed the city for more than three weeks. And through it all, the residents of Ottawa were tormented by the hundreds of truckers and thousands of protesters who initially came to demonstrate against vaccine mandates. Our unpublished vote.vote question asks you, was the federal government justified in bringing in the Emergencies Act to end the occupation? Yes, no, or unsure. You can log on and vote right now at unpublished.vote. And coming up on the Unpublished Cafe, we'll chat more about the Emergencies Act. I am pleased to be joined by Lori Turnbull, Director of the School of Public Administration at Dalhousie University. And Lori, from your perspective, was any level of government competent in dealing with this convoy? I mean, it's it's something that's hard to judge from the outside, and um, the testimony isn't over yet, and there's tons that we have we don't know because I think there are documents that the commissioner has access to that I don't think they'll make public, and so we're going to be dealing with you know less than completely full information. But I think what's relevant for the commission is that as you said, like n- nothing seemed to move in Ottawa anyway until the Emergencies Act was invoked. And one of the things that came up earlier on in the commission, specifically with Jim Watson's testimony, who was the former mayor of Ottawa, and he was the mayor during this whole thing. One of the things he mentioned was that they couldn't get any of the towing companies, for example, to come in and move move the trucks. They didn't want to to risk, you know, creating tension with the people who were who were participating in the convoy, and so they didn't want to do it. And so once the Emergencies Act came into effect, they could be compelled to move the trucks, and then things started happening. There was then coordinate like a different level of coordination between the orders of government with respect to the police. Then there was a headquarters set up, and you see like the all of a sudden something that had jammed the city for weeks. Within forty eight hours, it was all cleared up. And so it's hard, and I was in Ottawa pretty much the whole time. So it's hard for me to believe as a person who lives in Ottawa <laughs> that the Emergencies Act didn't have, you know, we didn't need it. Like the people who have come before the commission and said, look, we could have done this stuff. We had the powers to do this without the Emergencies Act. Well, then why didn't you do it? And so then I think the hard part is if you take a purely legalistic approach and say there were powers at the municipal level, there were powers at the provincial level to deal with these things, and you didn't need the Emergencies Act. Okay, well, what what if other jurisdictions weren't filling their space? And so the federal government stepped in because maybe powers that were possible at other orders of government were being used. You know, the demonstrators claim the event was peaceful despite the lack of charges, and there really weren't a ton of charges. But considering what we saw, do you do you agree with that assessment as it being peaceful? No, um, people were like people who have businesses there report that staff were harassed, people's masks were pulled off. Um, it, it was not a peaceful protest at all. Um, someone urinated on the cenotaph, like, come on, that's not peaceful. That's ridiculous. And I mean, was every single person who participated in this thing doing something violent? Of course not. Were there people who were here to come and, you know, 
march in the streets and say their peace and leave? Yeah, sure. And you could see the the level of participation participation fluctuating sometimes, right? Like there would be a a bit more um, you know activity on the weekend as opposed to the weekdays, that kind of thing. Fine, right? Like I, I'm sure some people came and did their thing and left, but the what you had to live with if you were living downtown and even, you know, the constant honking that is hostile. That is making a completely unlivable environment for people who live and work downtown. So no, I don't think it was peaceful at all. Now a testimony from some of the convoy organizers claimed that the, the movement was uh, originally was organic, but was hijacked by right-wing organizations. I, I wondered first off, does it give them a bit of wiggle, wiggle room in terms of responsibility then? I mean, it's going to be interesting to see like that word responsibility, I think is really important because what's at stake in the commission is determining whether or not the federal government was in the right to use this thing. And it's not a trial for anybody. And it's not about kind of determining what individual level responsibility could lead to whatever, you know, like I think there's a lot of testimony that we're hearing that people find very interesting that is very relevant, but isn't necessarily directly connected, or at least not obviously, to whether the federal government was in the right or not. But even something like the level of organization, um, that's that was, I was listening to the testimony of uh, Tamara Leach before you and I started talking this morning. And that's one of the things that's come up with her is, you know, the flow of money, for example, and the coordination that was occurring where some people were given, you know, be, people who had control of the money were then passing it out among the people who were participating and money was going to hotels and paying for gas and things like that. And it was like, I heard on CBC this morning, it was like 24 million that they know of so far. So that I'm sorry, is not, this is not, not some fly by night thing. Like there's obviously a level of organization at least to the point that all of these people were able to come and maintain an existence here in Ottawa for like a month. And they were, they were given the resources to do it. Hotel rooms, meeting places. And there were, you know, we know that there were sort of checkpoints set up where there, there was, you know, places you could go if you needed information, coffee, whatever, like this, this was not people who randomly showed up. And I mean, at least it doesn't, it certainly doesn't seem that way. And I think that's what the commission is trying to get at now is the actual trying to follow the money to to, ter- to determine the level or, of organization and communication that was happening at the time. You know, ma- many in support of the convoy believe that it, w- it would have ended much earlier if the prime minister had met with them. Should he have? <laughs> Sometimes we, f- we forget, I think, that one of the claims that came from this movement or whatever you want to call it mm-hmm. was that they wanted at least some of the organizers wanted the government to be overthrown and replaced with some assortment of people who represents them they were calling on the governor general to remove the prime minister what like this was an illegal occupation of a part of the capital city this made it impossible for the prime minister to go to work what would he have done if he met with him? This is not, you know, th- th- this is not an advocacy group. Th- these are not people who came and peacefully requested a meeting with the prime minister to talk about the issues that affect them. Um, this is a group that had, it seems to me, and, and was, 
you know, you you looked, oh my God, I'm just thinking about like you looked what was happening on Parliament Hill at the time and like anti-Semitic signs and you know, like getting anywhere near the Terry Fox statue, like this this was and I know, you know, there there's an argument to be made here that um despite all of that, maybe the Prime Minister could have calmed things down again if he had just spoken to them. But I think that would have put the Prime Minister in a really difficult decision situation whereby he would be somehow legitimizing the tactics of what they were doing because he would have been giving in. He didn't want to mm-hmm. meet with them. And the prime minister doesn't take every meeting that comes to him, <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. every request that comes to him. If he had decided to meet them, but he hadn't met, you know, thousands of other people who have, requ- you know, worked for nonprofits and requested a meeting with the prime minister. And you know what I mean? Like it would just have been very, very difficult for him to explain and what would he have gotten out of it? What sort of thing yeah. would be negotiated? That wasn't the the thing that was coming to him wasn't reasonable. Well, you, you, you legitimized is a, is a good word to use because you know hypothetically you meet with them, and what's to say what's the next group going to do? Because yeah. and then you know, and at this point, you know, it seems more that they were upset that that he won the last election again. It was it was a clear victory, uh, a legal victory. And they wanted to overthrow the government because they didn't like the guy. I, that, to me, is not a legitimate excuse. Yeah, and I mean, who was he supposed to meet? Like the, yeah. the ones in the bouncy castle, uh, the ones with the F Trudeau signs. Like mm-hmm. he's the prime minister. Uh, he doesn't need to be. <laughs> like, I'm not suggesting that he should be treated better than everybody else, but I think he's got um, he's got every right to decide that that's not a reasonable request for him given the circumstances. Now, on the other side of the aisle, quite a few conservative MPs encouraged the occupation, going as far as wanting the prime minister to wear it. I remember Deputy Leader Candace Bergen mentioning that was the whole point. Now, should they be called to testify regarding their support of it? I mean, I wonder. I, I don't know. Um, I mean, it's up to the commission to decide who they want, yeah. I guess. They're, they're going to spend yeah. some time on trying to get Doug Ford in there. I think for... Um, it's possible that the commission will decide that the opposition leaders and the op- members of the opposition who went up and posed and things like that, they weren't decision makers at the time. And so maybe they don't have anything to tell the, the commission about the 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 use of the Emergencies Act and whether it was appropriate. They may not have a lot to share about the organization of the thing on the ground, what the law enforcement response was. Like, I'm not sure that that a Pierre Polyev or an Andrew Scheer or anybody else who went up and got their picture taken has any information about any of that but who knows and mm. i don't know who else the commission like they they seem to have a list of 65 and as far as i know pierre polyev isn't on it so maybe he'll get out of that but i do think that there's going to be a moment of accountability for everybody when if this report comes down and says for example that the prime minister the federal government was not in the right pierre polyev has put a lot of political capital into his anti-Trudeau sentiment and his support for the convoy. I think Polyev would have to, at that point, say he does not have confidence in the prime minister and move that in the House of Commons. Even though this is not, such a thing wouldn't be an automatic confidence thing for the prime minister, I think that Polyev would have to make it one in order to show that he is sincere in his support for the convoy and his uh, belief that that Justin Trudeau is truly out of touch with what people, you know, what people are experiencing. And so it's possible that he will have some accountability on that at that point. 
Uh, you, you brought up the name Doug Ford, and uh, he and uh, Sylvia Jones are uh, in court to fight against having to testify. Do you think uh, the Ontario Premier needs to go to the uh, the inquiry? I don't know if he'll be forced to. Um, the idea that he is going to use parliamentary privilege, which was not at all, this is not the point of it at all. It doesn't even have anything to do with his like it, it's it's not his parliament well anyway i think um his argument that this is this is a federal government thing not a provincial government thing is ridiculous um every order of government had a role to play in keeping citizens of ontario in those respective localities safe and so obviously we've heard lots from municipal government federal we will hear more from the federal government we've he heard from law enforcement on all three levels and the Premier of Ontario has a role to play in answering what his approach was, you know, what what was it that made him um, declare a provincial state of emergency? Why didn't he come to Ottawa? What did he think was going on? Because I think the the principle when you're you're responding to an emergency like that is regardless of what the emergency is, actually, hmm. you start with the local government. And when they become overwhelmed in terms of their capacity to respond, then the jurisdiction kicks up to the next level of government. When the pr province is overwhelmed, then it kicks up to the federal level. And that's whether the emergency is like this one, or it's a flood, or it's a terrorist attack, or whatever the case may be. The principle we use, to, we use for emergencies is capacity. So in order to understand exactly why the federal government made the decision to use the Emergencies Act and whether that was legitimate, I don't know how the commission can have full information about that if they do not hear from the Premier of Ontario around when provincial capacity might have been overwhelmed. And it, why he doesn't want to answer those questions, you know, we all have theories about that. Yeah, it, it, well, it seemed that, you know, when it was going on in Ottawa, it was, you know, okay, they can deal with it, that's fine. But when when the border at Windsor started getting, getting you know, oh, targeted, yeah. well, then... Uh oh. Well, now we got to oh, yeah. start. Yeah. So you know, and, and I'll, 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 let's be honest. I've lived in this town for a long time. If there's a, a conservative government in the province, uh, Ottawa is usually the last place they look at. Yeah. You know, and it could, because it is traditionally fairly liberal. But um, you know, when when you've got people being held hostage in their in their homes, something's got to be done. Yeah. And it was certainly noticed that that the premier did not show up in Ottawa at all that whole time. But, yeah, seemed to spring into action as soon as the ambassador bridge was implicated. Um, I think I mean, the points are, are, are obvious. He was looking at a provincial election in a couple of months. He was aware of the fact that, you know, it was a safe assumption to make that many of the people who are participating in this could be inclined to, to vote conservative. And he didn't want to tick them off. He didn't want to be on the other end of it. And so he just stayed away from it. He also, as premier, didn't want to be backed into a corner of being seen to be justifying what what could very well be unlawful behavior. And so he wanted to take a pass on it and he wants to take a pass on it now. You know, we've heard three levels of, of, of policing uh, testifying. And, and you know, for a lot of people who don't understand Ottawa, we do have three police forces here. It's a very weird situation. We have the municipal, we've got provincial where the OPP has got jurisdiction and RCMP around the parliamentary precinct. But none of them come out of this looking very good at all, do they? Not at all. No. And I think um, 
in all different kinds of ways, right? With respect to why weren't bylaws enforced by the local police force? Why did the chief of police say that this there was no policing solution to this? And the mayor seemed to be caught off guard when he said that. Um, what was happening in terms of the coordination between the different policing units? It it doesn't, and just the fact that it persisted so long. And now, um, you know, and there's obviously questions about potential gaps in intelligence and whether or not everybody was really dealing with what, with the kind of information that like, did you know this was going to happen? Why didn't you better prepare for the fact that this was coming to town and it was planning to stay for a while. And on the, like chief slowly, former chief slowly keeps saying there were gaps in intelligence. We couldn't have known that we couldn't have been prepared. Whereas other testimony has indicated, Oh no, we knew full well, right? Like there was enough information there to know that there was portions of the, people who were going to participate who were radicalized and were already known to to authorities and there was reason to think this was going to get entrenched out of hand everything else and there was enough information to have prepared better and they didn't from what you've heard so far from the inquiry do you feel the federal government had no choice but to invoke the emergencies act it's or, yeah. yeah i mean at this point mm mm-hmm. That's what it, 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 and, but I think honestly, my, my experience in Ottawa is probably the thing that's making me say that because nothing was happening. And all of a sudden the emergencies that came 48 hours, town was clear again. You could walk around, you could drive wherever you wanted. And the, the way that it was dealt with in such a kind of peaceful, I felt that, that the response of law enforcement in that weekend where they, they moved the trucks out and move people out of the downtown. I felt that that was a peaceful approach. Um, they, it was just m- marching, marching down Spark Street, marching through the, the market area where people were set up, providing ways out of the city, giving instructions on how to easily get out of the city and not let people back in. Like, and, it, and you just think that was such a, a well-executed thing from, you know, from, from the view on the street. Why didn't they do that before? And so it's hard to see to not see the Emergencies Act as a causal variable. Laurie, I want to thank you for joining us. Thank you, too. Thanks for having me. Laurie Turnbull is the director of the School of Public Administration at Dalhousie University. Our unpublished vote question asks, was the federal government justified in bringing in the Emergencies Act to end the occupation? Yes, no, or unsure. You can log on and vote right now at unpublished.vote. And I want to thank our guest today, Lori Turnbull of Dalhousie University. And I want to thank you for watching The Unpublished Cafe. Stay safe. I'm Ed Hand.